0: Welcome to Bible Nerds, a Bible study podcast for people who want to know what the Bible says and learn how to study it on their own. In each episode, we are joined by friends ranging from expert scholars and theologians to novice Bible readers. Together, we dive into a passage to find out what it says about God, about people, and about obedience to gain a better understanding of our relationship with God. I'm Sam Davis, a missionary with Bridges International in San Diego, California. On this episode of Bible Nerds, we're joined by Brian Bach, Jason Chan, and Molin Chen. Today's study topic of Man Rebels took us to Psalm 53, where we learned about how no one seeks God. Hey everyone, welcome to Bible Nerds. Uh, I'm Brian Bach,
1: and I am uh, working for uh, AFES, or uh, FOCUS, which is Christian Union in Australia.
2: Hi everyone, um, my name is Molin Chan. I'm an early childhood teacher, And at the moment, uh, I'm working from home as a housewife.
3: Hey guys, uh, my name is Jason uh, and I'm also working from home in the IT section, making apps. And uh,
0: thank you guys for you know be, being Bible nerds with me today and for, uh, for reading a passage. So we are on section two called Man Rebels, and you guys chose No One Seeks God. So we are going to Psalm 53, and uh, we also talked about reading it from the
3: ESV. So English Standard Version is what we're using. So who wants to volunteer to read? I can read.
0: Yeah, Jason. All right, you okay. got it, man. All
3: right. Uh, so it's the whole Psalm 53? Yep. All right. There is none who does good to the choir master, according to Mahalath, a mascal of David. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt, doing abominable iniquity. There is none who does good. God looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all fallen away. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good. Not even one. Have those who work evil no knowledge? Who eat up my people as they eat bread and do not call upon God? There they are, in great terror, where there is no terror. For God scatters the bones of him who encamps against you. You put them to shame, for God has rejected them. Oh, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion. When God restores the fortunes of his people, let Jacob rejoice. Let Israel be glad.
0: Um, okay, so what are some confusing words? I mean, just in that first verse, right? There's uh, abominable. How would we define abominable? Like cruel, cruelty? Evil?
1: It has a moral sense to it. And I guess it means, you know, immoral stuff.
0: Just did a quick definition check. Immoral or
3: grossly unfair behavior. So, yeah. I guess like corrupt is used a few times. Like they are corrupt. And then there's another one. They have all fallen away together. They have become corrupt. Like it's like corrupt means like it was good, but then it got defiled or something like that. Yeah. You
0: know, I I think of like a corrupt file, you know, like on a computer. That file is like broken
3: it's it won't work correctly <laughs> it's you usually just throw it away <laughs> <'Cause> yeah <laughs> make a new one uh
1: i think one more is zion just want to be simple i think you can say that you know it symbolizes jerusalem or, or you know where god is
3: oh, yeah. also like the that's a sort of pretext like uh to the choir master according to Mahalath the masculine of david is no oh. Probably the only thing that we would need for context here is that
0: maybe that David wrote this and David was a king of Israel and that it's a sort of song. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, we have defined confusing words. As far as retelling this in your own words, please feel free to fill in any missing details that I may have missed. But... I think it seems from the title of this, which is There is No One Who Does Good, and the, the name of our section, which is No One Seeks God, this is basically a song saying that only God is good. We can't match up to God. And it says they all they have all fallen away. So every single person is like this. And it's terrible. Like verse five says, they are in great terror. But there is hope. And it says because it says salvation for Israel. So they uh, when the song was written, they don't know what that looks like. But they know that there's some sort of hope, so they're they're destitute, but they see hope. Do you guys feel like I missed anything?
3: Maybe the part where God is looking for people who seek God. Mm. He does He does care, and God actually wants to see anyone who repents? I guess uh, verse five, where there is no terror, for God scatters the bones of him who encamps against you. You put them to shame, for God has rejected them. So. It seems like God is actually doing something against his enemies.
0: And who are those enemies? In verse 4 it says, Have those who work evil no knowledge? Mm. Who eat up my people as they eat bread and do not call upon God? There they are in great terror. That's interesting. There they are in great terror where there is no terror. You're scared, but you shouldn't be scared? Yeah, I think you're right. I think that is it. And it's because at the end of verse 4, they never call on God. They're in fear because they're not putting their hope And the one who can save them.
1: Mm, Yeah, which I guess reminds me of different things in life. I mean, even including like death itself, right? Even though I don't think Christians would, you know, go looking for death, but we don't fear death in a way that I guess a non-Christian does
0: because we know that what happens after death, you know, we have that hope. Mm -hmm. I feel like this one is kind of hard to retell and like, like a really short way. But does anyone want, want to give a crack at retelling this whole passage
3: in one sentence? I'll just give it a shot. Yeah. So the this passage is a cry for God and his salvation because people have fallen away from him and are doing all sorts of terrible things. And God uh, is still looking to help those who seek him and will eventually save the his people. Beautiful. Yes, I like that. That was one
0: sentence. And it, was, it was a
3: bit, it was, it was cutting it a bit. It was like, should <laughs> be broken up in Well, this joint
0: <laughs> Okay, so now we're on the Discover section and we're going to ask three questions. What does the passage say about God, people, and obedience? So let's start with God. What do we notice that this passage is saying about God? Well, for one,
1: there is God. I mean, even though verse one, it says uh, there are people like, you
0: know, fools who say there is no God, but in fact, there there is one. That's why they're fools. And in verse 2, it says, God looks down from heaven. So it's, it's basically denying those fools from verse 1. Mm,
2: also, I think this passage tells us about, for God, from God's perspective, there are just two groups of people. One is the people who seek Him, and the other one are the people who don't seek Him. Yeah, who don't seek or rely on him, I guess. Yeah.
0: Um, verse 5, God scatters the bones of him who encamps against you. You put them to shame for God has rejected them. And so you're right, Mullen, people can reject God, but apparently God can also reject them. Mm-hmm.
3: That scatters the bones of him who encamps against you. So it's like there's like a three parties. Mm. So it's like from my perspective, like God scares bones of that person who encamps against you. I'm writing the person I'm writing to. So it's like three. Yeah, mm. it could be a bit complicating there, but that's interesting. Yeah, yeah.
1: And, and I guess it also shows God's power that you know He He can scatter people. Yeah, he, even though you know He who encamps in, in against you, I guess implies that that person has. Uh, he, well is stronger than you. That's why he's encamping you. But then you know, God is even stronger than him or whoever he is, and
0: can scatter him. Yeah, that just shows power.
2: So in verse five, uh, there they are. Who are they referred to, particularly, uh, in this passage? I mean, of course, they are the people who you know work evil or who eat up my people. But but who are they specifically here?
0: I think it might be referring to the first line in verse one, the fool, just the people who reject God. I think this whole thing might be about them, just those, those who reject God.
3: Yeah, it's like you're. we're just talking about the third party, they who are bad. It's just like a conversation, like a letter, a uh, song uh, for you. It's like me and you are, I guess we're assuming that we do care about God and we do want to do good works but we are oppressed and then they are the bad people i guess doing bad things
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, just one last thing about god it says when god restores the fortune of his people so he is a restorer and i like that it doesn't say if but it says when and it's so this is a thing that he he has a plan for as well and it's Mm -hmm. it's something that's so good you know then we will rejoice let jacob rejoice let israel be glad yep So let's figure out what this passage says about people. For example, we have the
3: opportunity to be fools and say that there is no God. <laughs> it's very strong, right? The tone is like, they are corrupt, doing abominable iniquity, and they are, there is none who does good. But yeah. it's like, we do good, you know, me and you are good people. So it's like but this, but the, the way this passage is written is very, very strong sentiment about the people. Yeah, I mean, I,
0: I I agree that humans can do good things. So what do you think this means when it says there is
3: none who does good? Maybe all the time? Is that is that, like, implied? Do, does good all the time? I mean, yeah, it could be that. And that could also mean good enough to to be holy. Would it be a context thing? So, like, wh- when the time of this psalm was written, uh, literally everyone has fallen away and become corrupt.
1: Mm. I think it's probably not just something that is based on his context. I think it's probably relevant to, to you know all of history that there is no one who does good in and of, I guess, themselves. Um, a bit similar to what Sam said about holiness, I guess, no one in and of himself or herself is good enough to say to God like, okay, I, I don't need God. I'm good enough.
3: Yeah, it, verse one says there, like the fool says, there is no God. So it's sort of like the context says, um, yeah, I'm doing whatever I do mm. uh, under the concept of there is no God. So that's denied. Denied anyone that does good. Like anything good you do is not really good, maybe. And
0: he even repeats it in verse three. You know, they've all fallen away. Together, they have become corrupt. There is none who does good. Not even one. Yeah, okay, very clear. Oh. It just really drives it home in verse three. Yeah. Well, this is a this is a really pessimistic
3: view of uh, of people <laughs> so far. Are our, our looking to the passage. What else do we see? People are afraid. There they are in great terror. Yeah, m- maybe like they are supposed to be unafraid if they know God, but because they say there is no God, they are in great terror. Yeah.
1: Um, I mean,
3: yeah. there are lots of family members and just friends who are really, like, you can just see wow. how people behave and, and you know, they, they, they're not Christian and whatever they talk about <coughs> and whatever they believe in and say they do, is it's very, like, very worldly and it's all about just trying to get profit gained and trying to set themselves up so that they don't just... Financially fail, or you know, just have enough to feed their family, or you know, things like that. So they're constantly trying to get get things in this world, searching for something to give them hope or meaning. Yeah, but yeah, that's another way to put it. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, could it be summarized that pe- as people are sinners, or people are sinful, no matter who you are, you are sinner.
3: That
0: seems to be the main concept. You're right. We it's it's about our sin our lack of holiness. And if verses 1 and 3 are driving home that point, it's not even something we can aspire to, to no longer be sinners. Mm. Well, on our own. Right?
3: It could be. It could be also like uh, uh, being, like defining what is bad and what is good. It, it's very, I guess to me, I, I, the feeling I got is like God is the good thing and then people who look away from God or say there is no God have all the you know, nasty things awaiting them, and they're doing bad things. Um, and, and all that fear and terror is like, a, a, anything that's in that category is without God. And then anything that is like, is you know, it has like God and then no God. So it's like very clear, this being clear about the sin that, that you have. Because like sin is like a category of, if you would like to categorize like these people as sinners, based on this passage, it's it's them who look away from God. Mm. They've all fallen away. So so that's like them. And then what is good on the flip side is God.
2: Also, I noticed on, um, in verse 2, so, so in Chinese, it's kind of like God looked down from heaven on people or people in the world. But in the English version, they use the word children, children of men. Oh. I just find that that's a bit... Interesting. That is
0: interesting. Why, why is that the the verbiage they use, children of man? I think that I think that might also be just um, just a concept meaning all people, just people in general. Yeah,
1: because I think another version, uh, the CSB says human
0: race. Uh, so, if there is anything else that we find out about people from these passages that you guys think of, drop that knowledge and let us know. Otherwise, for now, let's talk about what obedience looks like from this passage.
1: One of it is probably seeking God, verse 2 and verse 4, which is similar, calling upon God.
0: Yeah, I think that really is it. Like, he's he's talking about the evils of man and the things that he lists are not growing in relationship to God, not calling on God, not seeking God. Yeah, those are the things that he points out for sure. Yeah.
3: Mm. There's a lot of disobedience. They're quite, there's not examples. It's just more high level, like they're corrupt. They're doing bad things. Um, they, they're doing immoral things in general. None that does good, you know, more high level. Not not anything that's like specifically disobedient, just in general. Verse one, uh, the fool says there is no
0: God. So I think obedience in this passage looks like acknowledging God's existence. Mm. Uh, well, verse 4 says those who work evil,
3: who eat up God's people. My people as in David's people, which is God's people.
0: This seems to be God speaking. I think it's God's voice, but he's also talking about himself in the third person. Because he says, who eat up my people as eat bread and do not call upon God. I feel like this is
3: God's literary voice. And it's interesting that they, it says uh, in verse 4, like doing bad things versus knowledge i guess i know no have those who work evil no knowledge just like they they're ignorant yeah
0: Mm. good catch
3: at first i thought knowledge like i know things that you don't but it's more i feel like this is more like the the, it goes back to ignorance like you you could you should have known it's just you choose to ignore it Mm. it's an attitude it's like an attitude I think we've really nailed
0: it. Like As far as obedience goes, um, acknowledging God's existence, seeking after God, seeking knowledge and wisdom of who, of who God is, calling upon God. And then wh- the whole, like, they are in great terror where there is no terror. It's like putting our faith in God.
3: Yeah, maybe because what you when you know that you have that knowledge, you have that faith, so you trust that God will save you. You will deliver you from your enemies.
0: Cool. Um, any other thoughts on God, people, or obedience from this passage?
3: Maybe just on people, like, like those who encamps against you. So, like, people who actually bully or mob you or gather around you, oppress you. Verse 5. For God scatters the bones of him who encamps against you. Yeah. Uh, I was just saying it's, it's revealing the nature of, like, people in, like, who, sinners who who take advantage or... Bully, or oppress others for their own benefit. Mm-hmm. God is um,
0: with us even in that. Yeah, so even in our suffering, or you know, when injustice happen happens. There's one other thing I did find interesting. It says in verse four, "Have those who work evil," and I know other translations say like "do evil," but I really love this poetic language of working evil you know it's a it's a strange combination of words Mm. and it makes you think like how do you work something you know you you focus on it you you do it like well like you're getting paid for it you know you do it you do it well work is something that you have to try hard for like working evil is to me way more poignant of of what sin is than doing evil because doing evil sounds like a passive thing but when you work evil,
3: you're actively attempting to do it. You're yeah, layering it up, setting it up, you know, mm. like cycle. There's like a cycle to it. Mm-hmm. Deliberate. Yeah, and it's deliberate. Yeah, know. that's exactly the word. Thank you. Deliberate. Mm.
0: All right. So um, in this section, we talk about how this is sort of an application section. Um, and we think about how will this passage change me? Uh, and the question is: In light of this
3: passage, how will your week be different? And it could help to make an "I will" statement. Just a very obvious one for this passage is uh, for me, like when times are uh, no matter no matter when, like I feel joy and celebrate something, yeah, in life, or or when I feel really down and tough, like like maybe like during this virus, like I always acknowledge that God is uh, with me and. Um, is working, working with, working in me. Sometimes I, you know, it's easy to forget um, that he's always there. I will always have God in my heart. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And that could be something to pray as well. You know, we can we can want to do that, and still fail at it. So I agree with Jason. I really love your heart there. My I will statement is to pray that my heart will be more attuned to praising God in every scenario. Even people
1: in ministry, I think sometimes it's, you kind of forget that you're you're doing all this, you know, ministry stuff in and by God's uh, grace and, and strength. So sometimes it's, yeah, just easy to just kind of rely on my own strength and, and even wisdom and things like that to to say, uh, you know, how can I help this student? How can I help, Uh, uh, teach this student uh, things like that but so i guess i will seek god call upon god yeah more regularly like hopefully all the time uh, even yeah when 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 i um, do ministry and yeah
2: i think i will take small steps this week by uh, i guess establish a routine of when i get up the first thing i do I will pray that God will give guidance for me for the day. Yeah mm. Is that something maybe like I used to do, um, and then it start to like fall apart over mm. time? And you know, at least I think small, small things that I can do is every day, the first thing I do before I do, I seek anything else, I seek God first.
3: Mm. you yeah, yeah. need to check your phone first thing in the morning.
2: Yeah. Any,
3: what notifications await? What you need? can you can you set up where the first notification you see is that? <laughs> is pray, pray for guidance. Yeah. Easy.
0: Can you help me? Yeah. I don't know.
3: When you unlock your phone in the morning.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Name your alarm. Name your alarm. Pray for guidance. <laughs> Just don't hit snooze or. off. Jason, that sounds like a T-shirt. Don't snooze on God. <laughs> do it man
2: oh you snooze a lot
0: yeah like on the back it's like don't hit snooze (laughs) (laughs) um hey guys well we have just wrapped up our study thank you for for reading for retelling for figuring out these things from this passage Uh, i would love to pray for everyone here and to sort of cap everything off Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time, uh, for the fact that, uh, like Brian said earlier, we have technology to reach out to each other, to learn from your word and uh, gain knowledge about you, to seek you more, um, to call on your name more, and, uh, and also to have fun doing it, to be able to laugh and talk together. Um, we pray that you would help us to keep these things in our hearts Help us to seek you, to ask you for guidance, to know that you're with us no matter what. Um, and we pray that you would help us to not just have that for ourselves, but to also give that to others, to give them the same hope that we have in you. In our name we pray. Amen. 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 All right, guys. Thanks for uh, studying with me. Um, hope we can do it sometime soon. Bye. Ya, bye. Bye. We like to think of a nerd as someone who wants to know as much as they can about a subject or topic. Our goal at Bible Nerds is to show you that anyone can be a Bible nerd. We wanna know what does your obedience look like? What is your I will statement? Let us know in the comments below. If you have a prayer request or any questions, email us at wearebiblenerds@gmail.com. gmail.com. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe.